Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Potomania, podcast where the lists are made up and the points don't matter. We, <laughs> as a reference for all the Drew Carey fans in the back. We're going to come back. We're going to triple the points. <laughs> um, oh, I, 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 um, <laughs> um, so we uh we last time we were together it was November end of November and um it, we were going to do one in December but uh boy it got really busy so mm-hmm. but, um so we are back last episode we did our part 1 of our first top 10 list and this one is top 10 superhero movies um and uh, so we're here to do numbers five through one um and yeah we'll see what happens today uh uh how were how was your new year sam mine was pretty good i i, I retired and then unretired and uh, i'm gonna sell the company now so uh, <laughs> uh penny mac is back baby um great. oh sorry that was someone else's new year um my word yeah I don't, I, I, I don't know where to begin with that. That's yes. nuts. Like how, I doesn't doesn't that hasn't that triggered something? Shouldn't something be going off? I don't know a missile, yeah. a lawsuit. I don't know. That is so. If I'm weird. Johnny Gargano. I'm worried I'm gonna get fired. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not a Vince guy. Like I'm oh, a- he he's he's back. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna get fired. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, who knows what that means for WrestleMania? Everyone was like, "We have it locked in." We're like, "It's got it." We know what we, mm-hmm. you know, we have a flavor of what WrestleMania is going to be. Yeah, we're coming up on Royal Rumble. We have no idea. From the sounds of things, he's just going to help execute a sale. But I mean, what can you really believe with Vince? I to me, it would make sense for him to to not get involved now when like triple h has been planning stuff and like right it's like he's got his guys in there so it's a whole staff to do a whole turnover and everything like a lot of vince's guys aren't there anymore yeah because the transition some of them are but not all of them and you know so i i I don't think he would step in on the creative end anyway maybe like the main event but i i don't i don't think he would do that Anyway, so how was <laughs> I, I tell you, I know I I feel the same the I say I feel the same way that you feel what that that silence and that conclusion was how can he not? <laughs> I'd love to be in that meeting where it's just Vince and then Triple H and everybody else who's sitting there going, We this is our plan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But hear me out. He's gonna he's pitching something. Yeah. I'm not saying he may, I don't know what his impact is going to be, but you know, Vince has a take on what mania should be this year. This is when 
This is when Triple H legitimately is like, I'm going to smash you through a table. <laughs> and like, it's not a wrestling table, my friend, an actual table. I'm going to slam you through this table. It, this doing that much physical exertion will probably kill us both. Yeah. But it will be worth it. It'll be worth it. My last breath will be even. Even Triple H. No, 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 Triple H. Uh, you don't understand. I just want to come back and I want to do one more stunner. I think I have another one in me. You didn't have one in you last time, Vince. <laughs> you didn't even have a half a one. You just had oh. a. Even, even in death, Triple H will go over whoever it is he's facing. Yeah. He books himself to win. Oh, even in death. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. So yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm uh, I am I am uh, you know it's a new year so I'm doing a brand change. I'm referring to myself as Hollywood Logan. Ah. Because that, nice. Yes, because that's where uh me and the wife will be moving in the new year. So in the uh in the hills. So uh this is, you know, you can call this the new world housing order. <laughs> well well uh podcast is gonna continue that. podcast continue it'll just yeah. be like the next time we record it'll be from hollywood brother uh then uh, i guess i would just say uh who's who's better than canyon nobody nobody <laughs> i can't remember who was the, who was the other person we, we would bring up was it what about raven what about me? What, what about, about Raven? <laughs> they had yeah. an awesome character in ECW, went to WCW. Yeah, he, he was interesting for like a minute. And then he turned into the whiner. What about me? What about Raven? <laughs> I don't hey. know. What about you, Raven? I don't know. It worked for Sam. Your name Goldberg or <laughs> Does your last name end in Hogan Hall or Nash? No. <laughs> then you're not important. No. no. We buried Booker T. Raven's not going to get a shot. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, boy. Um, so, all right. Potomania for life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, without further ado. five. Adieu. We have our top five. Just to refresh our list, I forget what your list was. Um, um what was your top, your upper five? Do you remember? I, I have my full list here. So, oh yes, my lower, my lower five. Uh, Wonder Woman. In you know ascending order, uh, Batman Returns. Right. Spider Man No Way Home. Right. Iron Man. Right. Dark Knight Rises. My I couldn't. I couldn't remember if you had uh, Batman Returns on there. Or not. Um, yes, yes, I did. Wait, yeah, yeah. Um, Batman Returns was because uh, you said Batman, you said Batman, Batman, Returns, yes. Batman Returns was my number. Uh, my number nine. Oh, okay. So you had Wonder Woman, Batman Returns. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. 
Spider-Man No Way Home, Iron Man. Iron Man, Dark Knight Rises. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had, so my 10 was Man of Steel, followed by Logan, Deadpool, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Batman Begins. Sorry. Batman Begins. <laughs> so uh, I think I started last time, so we'll just keep going with that. Um, so starting with number five, mine is superhero movies are a spectacle. There's a thing about them that's superhero storytelling is always, you know, I like the smaller storytelling when it's like, you know, not as high risk, but superheroes live to be as big as they can be, as grand as they can be. And their stories are usually best, the, the best remembered stories and the stories you, you know, people like really gravitate to are usually, not always, but usually the ones that are most operatic, you know. These are people who have colorful costumes and incredible powers and they destroy mountains when they fight like the storytelling needs to be of that level and the biggest spectacle of them all and the movie that really kind of hit home the whole spectacle thing um someone so there hasn't really been a very good movie in this line of movies since it came out avengers endgame sorry They've had one or two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I forgot, but come on. I forgot about No Way Home and Black Panther 2. Okay, but, No Way Yeah. They've come close. They've, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've come close. But Avengers Endgame hit at such a huge height. And I will say maybe better storytelling in Infinity War. Uh, and if I have to go back and rewatch something, Infinity War is a little easier to watch um, because it is basically a Thanos movie. It has a very succinct thing. And in this one, what they want is very specific, but how they get it is so spread around that it 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 sometimes can feel un unwieldy unwieldy so to speak but that doesn't take away from the fact that they have literally everyone in this movie and they wrap up or bring to a close was it 10 years of storytelling um since they started doing this whole thanos infinity gauntlet thing uh in the first avengers movie um and even further with the first iron man movie uh, whose character comes to an end. This, I mean, this this movie has everything. This movie has everything. Uh, Stefan, Seth, <laughs> Iron Man. Uh, <laughs> but it, 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 I love it. <laughs> I love it for many reasons. I love, I love the goodbye and the the end of iron man of tony stark's story i like the idea that in the blip of it all he gets a he's like the one guy whose life is actually kind of good and getting better uh, you know he has a daughter and i like 
I like even instances of oh well that was convenient with Scott Lang coming back from the you know the microverse because a a rat just <laughs> hops along the right buttons and triggers the machine to turn back on like I kind of forgive it it's kind of one of those because they followed up immediately with him seeing his grown-up daughter and just that feeling of like just a few seconds a few minutes ago he was in a time and place where his daughter was five years younger and now she's like grown-ass person um and the weight of that and then the whole thing of hulk being smart hulk i love that yes we needed that it was so awesome to see the time travel aspect i liked that they commented on the whole like like physics of time travel and that it's not anything like I like that they're originally thinking like, well, we can't have any interaction with ourselves, you know, and change the past. And, and Tony Stark's whole, like, hold on. Are you telling me your only concept of time travel is based on back to the future? I love that back to the future exists in this universe. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I, I love all that. And I love going back, having him a confrontation with his dad to wrap up that story and then coming back and just the big fight scene at the end with, you know, Steve getting to use the hammer, which was amazing. I've never heard so many people cheer in my life. Never. Then when that happened, except yeah. maybe later when everyone shows up and it's like this huge line and he finally says, Avengers assemble. It's like we're at a it's like we're at a sporting event. The amount it, of audience participation that it, occurs in this sequence. It's amazing. And then all the different like fighting uh aspects, even the jammed in like the ladies will do it like sequence where it's just all the women doing it. Even that, I mean it's very forced, so it doesn't come off the way I think they wanted it to, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Um Captain Marvel continued to be way overpowered. Um, and conveniently on the other side of the galaxy for most of this movie, which I'm like, you're you're creating a Superman problem for yourselves, guys. Mm-hmm. How can I buy any threat anymore? Yeah, when she is that damn powerful. And then Scarlet Witch showing what she eventually would show everyone what she could do in subsequent things. Um. I mean, but the big thing is Tony seeing the opening, looking over to Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange is holding up that one. There's only one future he saw where they make it out of it. And he realizes there is no other way. It has to be him. Everything is set up in a way it can only be him. And if it isn't, everyone dies. And he makes the sacrifice play, the one thing he was afraid of his whole life. The thing that defined him as a superhero was that he escaped death. 
to become Iron Man, to get that thing in his chest, to be in the first movie. That was his defining thing was he came this close to death, but he somehow survived. And that was his running story in all his appearances is cheating death. And his ending is him accepting in order to win, in order for everyone else to cheat death, he has to accept it for himself. And the reverse of Steve so beautifully finally feeling like you know what I can put I can put the war behind me I can stop being a soldier because his whole thing was he doesn't have a life he doesn't know how to be anything other than a soldier a fighter and the fact that it ends with him being able to live the rest of his life as just Steve married to, you know, Peggy is amazing and it's beautiful. And uh, I saw this movie right after uh, my daughter was born, like a month after it. So all this stuff with Tony's daughter, the Love You 3000 stuff, that uh, I mean, my wife were just like bawling in the movie theater, being like, Is this movie over yet? I want to go see my baby. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, Avengers Endgame, my number four. Oh, I tell you, uh, per our, um, I don't know if we made this rule, but I feel like it it's worked well for our, for us. Uh, per our made up rule of if you or I name a movie that's on our list. <laughs> I like your selection so much. I had it at number four. Oh, interesting. So I'm just going to move my comments about my number four to right now. Yeah. Uh, and do hopefully uh, remind you of cool stuff that you may or may not have covered. Um, this, first of all, Hawkeye, the opening sequence of Hawkeye losing his family. Ooh, oh, that is brutal. Oh. Iron Man, Iron Man playing uh, paper football. Oh, that was great. Oh. Yeah. And that, um, now, we get a Tony Stark who's given up hope, which is the first time we've seen that. He is emaciated, exhausted, but is awoken by a bright light. But it's not a light. Yeah. It's Captain Marvel. Someone he's never seen before. Yeah. It, it was only after I realized, like, oh, yeah. he's not seeing hope. He's, like, seeing, like, Right. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So, but and then when he gets back, the first thing he says is, I couldn't stop him. I lost the kid. Yeah. Cap Captain America says, We lost him. Which I love the writing that they have for those two characters. They know exactly who they are. Yeah, exactly. That sums them up so much. They eventually kill Thanos, but and the movie's over, right? <laughs> nope. Nope. No, it is not. They didn't even really kill Thanos. Not even Thanos is over. Because this movie is more than just a superhero movie. This is a movie about people rebuilding their lives, mourning the past, and finding a new life to live. Finding a, a new future, going back to the past. Yeah. They find that when you choose hope, nothing is inevitable. It 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 was such an uh such a great uh conclusion to the ten years that we got. Mm -hmm. 
it was everything and more that we were all hoping for. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, uh, it was just this amazing, uh, it was one, one of the big payoffs of a two movie, uh, series yeah. uh, that you were hoping for when you saw infinity war, it was like, you were just teaming for it. You were wanting for it. Um, it, it is an incredible movie. It's also my only drawback for why I have it at four and I don't have it higher. It is because this movie is good, but its impact is also due to the movie that it's that it was set up by. Yes, yes. It doesn't stand on its own as well as it does as a conclusion to a series. Yeah, like it's okay by itself, but when you combine the two, you combine the two movies. It, I mean, the impact is, is oh, yeah. so much greater. Absolutely. That's it's, why I can rewatch Infinity War more because I don't feel the need to keep watching Endgame after it and have like a sit down, like watch five hours of a movie. Um, whereas if I watch Endgame, I'll always have the impulse of, I feel like this would be better if I watched Infinity War first. You know, um, not yeah. that it's not that it's not a good movie, but like you said, yeah, Infinity War does so much heavy lifting, but the payoffs in this are just so damn good, and they're they're difficult to execute, and yet they do them. Like, yeah. and and the other thing I love is the whole. F <laughs> There's no other way to say it, and I, I hate that we call it this, but Fat Thor, that whole thing, that whole storyline of his guilt his sense of blaming himself of himself feeling unworthy mm -hmm. and how that physicalizes in himself that like it's one of those things like i i love that, that there's like an instant of oh this is funny but it's more funny like not that he looks different or that like haha he's fatty now but more of like like well this is not what i expected kind of laughter because as soon as you see the state he's in it's not funny anymore and no. you don't ever and, and and even those small little moments you laugh and you laugh because chris hemsworth's funny um yes but I mean, there's so much in his story to dealing with depression and how to how to find yourself again, how to realize your realize that you are still of worth. Yeah. Oh, when he talks to his mom, he goes oh, back and talks to his mom. Yeah. Oh man, I was like, I can't believe this is happening in a in a comic book movie. Yeah. We're yeah. having a we're having a, a mental health full blown mental health discussion. Yeah, comic book movie. In the conclusion of a huge epic story arc, there's this person trying to get a handle on who they are, you know, what they are, what defines them. Yeah, yeah. And the whole fight between Hawkeye and Black Widow. I love, I love that it's a callback to the first Avengers movie. When they fight, uh, as well as Civil War, when they fight each other, yeah, and the whole thing of like, 
We see them once fighting when he's under mind control. And so he's not himself. He's just, you know, trying to take her out. And she's trying to take him out, but not kill him. The second one, they even say to each other, you're pulling your punches. And then this one, they're not holding back anything because they know what it means. And they know the other person's going to absolutely take the hit. And they do not want that to happen. And to see the platonic love between these two friends who are of opposite sex and yet not like there's never ever in their relationship ever a hint of maybe they're a couple or maybe they could be a couple i love that it's just these two are the best of friends and they do not want to let the other person have to take this and you know a shout out to jamie renner who's doing with a lot right now uh yeah. big accident um but he plays it off so well um but yeah my number five your number four Yep. Uh, so unless you had anything else to say, we can move on to your or move back to your number five. Um, anything else? Uh, no, I, I think I'll probably, if I have other Avengers thoughts, I think I will get a chance to later. Um, my number five that I moved to number five that was higher on the list, but, you know, with more thought, realizing... Uh, this is the only X-Men movie I have on my list. Oh. And I love the X-Men. Okay. Um, but this storyline specifically was my X-Men storyline. So if I was going to say, if I was going to pick one, this was going to be the one. And this Brett Ratner's direction in it doesn't bother you? <laughs> he comes up. Sorry, he comes up in my thoughts here. The movie that I selected of all the X-Men movies is X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm, yeah. I love that storyline so much from, I mean, I know the the, the original storyline is from the comic book. How I was introduced to the X-Men was through the Saturday morning cartoon. So my understanding of the Days of Future Past was with Bishop going back and forth in time um so it was cool to see days of future past then adapt it and actually move it back somehow closer to the original at least involving kitty pride but this time sending uh wolverine back yeah and because hugh jackman <laughs> because, come on ching, ching. he's a he's he's yeah. who you build your x-men if you don't build the movie around him, you have to have him involved. Just see Deadpool three. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my word. Um. So, what I like about this movie, first and foremost, that jumps to my mind, is that this is a Charles Xavier movie. Oh yeah. Big Just time. how First Class, the previous film, was a Magneto movie. Yeah. Yeah. This one surrounds us with the importance of Charles believing in the purpose of the X Men. It gives us one of the great performances and scenes of the X-Men series with uh, James McAvoy's I don't want your future. Yeah. I don't want your suffering. And he gets the, you know, the flash forward of everything that we as X-Men fans and viewers 
know that Xavier has and will experience. Yeah. But what I also like as a fan, he's also saying, I don't want Brett Ratner's X-Men last stand. <laughs> that is lit. That is the footage they have in there. Yep. He's saying, I don't want that. And I pumped my fist so hard. It's like, yes, I don't Some want that. Did. I don't want that either. It was, I mean, that was, that was exactly what I wanted. These, um, these X-Men movies, the, the prequels are my preferred X-Men series because of how good this cast is and how good the stories are. Mm -hmm. The older X-Men movies are, feel more like a comic book. These feel the good ones anyways, um, feel like they're about something. The first two first class and days of future past there's a point to these movies and the series would be even better if they had just stopped at these first two uh but this one is really great also because of the caliber of actors they get i mean they saw patrick stewart and ian mckellen and they said okay if we're doing prequels we can't you know, just we tested these roles perfectly once. Yeah, we how can do it twice? Right. But wait, I think we can do it twice. It's and they did. I'm it's amazing. I just James McAvoy and Fassbender are have just great chemistry. They're so good. Yeah. They are those, and that's really my my other reasons for why I like this series is scenes of Xavier and Magneto together. It's the same reason why the other X-Men movies are so good. And early on, those are the scenes we get as well in the X-Men movies, mm -hmm. is Xavier and Magneto scenes. Those are the best scenes. Yeah, yeah. And that's also why frequently, especially in the prequel series, that is what those movies uh, bookend us with. Yeah. Xavier and uh, Magneto scenes. And in fact, the very last scene of uh, Dark Phoenix, is a Xavier and Magneto scene. I'm among the five people that saw that movie. So I can tell <laughs> you. Now, because of that series, they know that's the story they're telling is about those two characters and also uh, Mystique. Yeah. That is really what the, that series is about. And also Mystique. Yeah. It, yeah. Suddenly it was about, yeah. Because of Hunger Games, you know. Really? Yes. But. <laughs> I also liked that because it was a story I wasn't expecting. Yeah. It was an angle I wasn't expecting. I didn't know. They weren't painting by the numbers. They were playing to their strengths. Yeah. Uh, and they were going with the, you know, the best actors on the team. And it works. Yeah. That's what makes these, make these movies so rewatchable is also when we get not only Xavier scene in this movie about, I don't want your future. I don't want your suffering. We get Fassbinder's uh, confrontation of Charles on the plane when he says when he says that he says where were you charles you mm. abandoned us all yeah and he's doing that while breaking the plane oh. uh, but yeah. the special effect in that is not is not the plane breaking the special effect is the intensity of michael fassbender he is an incredible actor and he just owns he owns a role that was already previously just terrific you know amazingly done by one of all an all-time 
great actor, yeah. uh, Ian McKellen. Uh, it was just, it's just a treasure of acting you're getting to see in a comic book movie. Uh, not to mention, uh, this is just a you and me thing. How many people in this movie we can get who have played Macbeth? I know, right? There are... I mean, you get Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, James McAvoy, and yep. Michael Hosmer. Yep. Uh, it's a it's a Macbethathon. Yeah. And that also goes to show you the caliber of actors we have in an X Men movie. Yeah. 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 So that's really yeah. that's uh, that's my uh, that's my number five. Also, you get. You get Nixon, a floating baseball stadium, uh, and uh, more, more, uh, more Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's mine. That's great. Um, yeah, um, I really love that movie. Um, and you know what you say about Professor X and Magneto. That's my even in the comics, like I love, those are my two favorite X characters. You know, a lot of people have their favorites. Uh, mine has always been professor X and Magneto because of that relationship. I am fascinated because there's no other relationship like that in comics where it's like, you can tell a story where they're brothers and they trust each other more than anyone. And you could tell a story where they want to kill each other more than anyone else because they believe it's the morally correct thing to do. And because it's what is best for everyone. And you would totally buy both stories and that both characters could be in such opposite positions. And it's the thing I love about those two characters, um, you know, and that they have, and just that they're such opposites, you know, one person's a, in a wheelchair and the other one you know survived the holocaust and yet he's so he's like in his like 80s and yet somehow you know is always drawn with all these huge ass muscles which is always surprising to me he's uh, a survivor he's a survivor that's right uh the nazis did stuff to him maybe that's what it is. um but uh but yeah that's great that's great um so moving on to number four. So you gave your number four, which was Avengers Endgame. Um, my number four, all I have to say is Wakanda forever. Not the sequel, the original. Oh. Panther. With T'Challa himself. Um, this movie... Um, you know, it my favorite MCU movie used to be Captain America Winter Soldier, it is Black Panther, uh, bar none. It is my favorite, it's the one I probably rewatch more than any other. Um, I love just because I, I love the cultural specificity to it, it feels authentic to and to do that for. Because Wakanda can come off so bad if handled in the wrong hands. It can either come off as placating, like, oh, this African nation that's actually the richest and most advanced in the world, but everyone doesn't think it is. You know, it can come off as like pandering almost, 
you know, because it was created by two white guys um, in like the 60s. Um, but in the correct hands, it comes off amazing and immersive and all the different levels. Like, I I mean, uh, they, they at one point were going to do a Black Panther Dora Milaje like TV show. And I'm kind of, I wish they had, I wish they had done that because uh, I just want to know more about Wakanda. You know, I watched that movie. I'm like, I want to know more about this country. Uh, but on top of all that, the late great Chadwick Boseman, um, who, I mean, played an amazing hero was an amazing hero in real life um considering all he was going through while visiting children's hospitals and the cancer wards and the terminal wards visiting kids uh, as black panther as as you know who they know as black panther giving these kids hope while him he himself is trying to find them for his own life um in his own battle um he gives an amazing performance um and then the absolutely incredible thirst trap that is michael b jordan <laughs> um, he just nails it he nails it so good again marvel does this every once in a while they create villains that like can stand toe to toe with whatever DC villain you know DC puts out it can stand toe to toe with like the Joker and some of their other really great villains mm -hmm. and like and they're amazing and like typical MCU stuff it's one movie and done um and you never see him again <laughs> did you like that great you'll never see him again <laughs> uh maybe he'll come back later and he'll be in a a middling Disney Plus series dancing in a club somewhere, and it'll become a meme. <laughs> Aaron Zemo shout out. Um, <laughs> but the the thing I you know it there are so many things to talk about why I love this movie. The one thing I will say is I always find something new when I watch it, which is the best movies do that. And it occurred to me the other day the power of when when T'Challa is in I forget what they call it, but like the far plane or whatever it is, the when he's in the land of the ancestors. Yeah, I think it's the ancestral plane, I think. Yeah. And he's seeing them after learning the truth of Killmonger and what happened, what his father did, and what all his predecessors did in terms of letting other of their people suffer around the world while they kept like just secluded his whole speech of and he just says you were wrong to abandon him and he says i chose my people i chose wakanda you were wrong all of you were wrong to turn your backs on the rest of the world we let our fear stop us from doing what is right no more and 
I think at one point he also says like Killmonger is a monster, but he is a monster we created and one that I have to destroy because of you. And if that's not a great message for America and Americans, particularly white Americans, yes, what it looks like to take ownership of mistakes of the past that aren't yours but are part of your legacy and taking ownership of it and still coming out as a hero, coming out doing the right thing. That's it right there. And that's what I love about, you know, this kind of storytelling, whether it's any kind of genre storytelling, is it it can make things that are very complicated in real life. It can have a way of letting you see it from a different angle where it becomes a little clearer. Um, and that's one of many things. Also, the amazing Andy Circus having like the time of his life. Like, I've never seen an actor acting in a role where they look so overjoyed than in this movie when he plays uh Claw. Um, maybe it's because he's acting in a movie where he doesn't have to you know, put on a mocap suit, but <laughs> yeah, so he's like, I'm using all of my face, yeah. People can see my face. Um <laughs> but he I mean he's amazing chewing the scenery. And uh the great Martin Freeman playing another in his line of great everyman kind of run of the mill police officers. Police officer. You know he he it doesn't matter if they're a police officer or a hobbit or an office worker. He plays the run-of-the-mill, average, kind of schlubby, but also kind of charming white dude. Mm-hmm. Or American white dude, in this case. Yeah. Uh, role. It's like every role he does. He's the everyman, everyman. <laughs> He's every, everyman. He's every, everyman. In fact, whenever they, they should put his picture in, in the you know for every man because he's played every every man <laughs> it's incredible uh just once i want to see him do like a crack dealer where he has like a glass eye and he talks with a, a like a, a cajun accent and yeah skin yeah. cats alive or something i don't know so yeah. something different whatever whatever james franco was doing in that movie what was it spring break or something like that where he was like some sort of <laughs> Pimp guy or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I'd like to see Martin Freeman do. That'd be great. Uh so that's my number four. We got your number four. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I gotta, number three, unless you have another thing to say. I gotta give you my number three. And you know what my number three is? What is it? Black Panther. Oh my god. All right. There we oh, go. we got bingo. Um this movie is so good that we gotta just keep talking about it. It's my number three. That's I am unintentionally saying, yeah, you like this movie? I like it better. <laughs> am I saying more about it? No, but I'm ranking it higher. But I'm ranking uh, so Black Panther. Okay. Um, my notes on this, and I uh, the and I'm my notes are basically my process of what immediately comes to mind when I think of Black Panther. And I warn you ahead of time, I don't think I can say this line without a calm voice, but I'm going to try. 
I never yielded. And as you can see, I am not dead. Mm. This just is an incredible cinematic moment. This for me sums up, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to like Black Panther, which I will get to. Um, but for this one, it gives us the gift of Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. Mm -hmm. And it also, because of the nature of film, we have this forever. Yeah. Now, I'm going to now uh, reference a movie I don't like nearly as much, but it demonstrates the point. I recently saw the movie Babylon. Now, in it, there's a lot of things wrong with that movie. But in it, it, rem it, this, it reminded me of its argument for the staying power of movies. Uh, in it, Brad Pitt's arguing with somebody who's uh, both his wife and a stage actor who looks down on him. And he says, for me, if 100,000 people see what I did this weekend, it's a flop. It's not a hit in my world. And how what they do, what you do on film, it's captured forever. We have that. It's there. We may lose the person, but what they give us on film, we have forever. And this movie gave us Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther forever. Beyond that, this movie has a deep bench. Oh, yeah. A stacked cast of talent. One of the best MCU villains. And everyone in this movie, everyone, has an arc and a story that their character tells. Mm -hmm. This movie is very thoughtful. It is... It knows exactly what it's doing, and everybody has a purpose. It's, I mean, we're doing our list of comic book movies, but I've noticed what makes a good comic book movie when it's more than just a comic book movie. Yes. And this movie is about society and how, how it is in a particular part of society mm -hmm. and what a responsible society does when it has power and what it should do. And with also, great power comes great responsibility. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> Someone else was trying to say that. But <laughs> I think I think with a I think when a when a, uh, a when you have a more global perspective, yeah. I think you become a better individual country. Yes. Which is a which, what I think the movie was also pointing at, and mm -hmm. it also has and also brings up one of my uh, detractions uh, in a movie that has a lot of good hand to hand face to face combat fights, like a lot some really good ones, mm -hmm. uh, especially the uh, the challenges to T'Challa. Oh yeah, are excellent. Some of the highlights of the movie. It also brings out my really my only detraction is that in a movie with many face to face uh, fights that are really good, our concluding fight is a CGI show. Yeah, which I understand you got to do for I don't know for different reasons, uh, but it it ends up being the weakest of all the showdowns. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's that's really the only reason why I don't have it any higher is, you know, that's missing. But there's so much good about this movie uh, that, yeah, that's why I've got it at number three. It's just a great movie. It's a thoughtful movie. It's a well-written movie. And it um, it's so good. They made a sequel that mourned the loss of what we had in this movie. Yeah. And it made sense to do that. That's how good this movie was. So, yeah, okay. Black Panther. Great movie. It's my number three. Great. I'm just kidding. We're vegetarians. Um, <laughs> um, great. Uh, that's your number three. I'll be interested to see if this is anywhere on your list. Hmm. My number three, Spider-Man 2, in my opinion, mm -hmm. it was for the longest time the greatest superhero movie on film. Right now it's number three. And it's a forgotten one because they the quality has gotten so good of like every movie that it kind of gets forgotten. But go back and watch those movies. And with one of the things I love about um, um, what's the one that just came out? Uh, no Way Home. No Way Home. Uh, one of the things I love about No Way Home is it has it, it brings this nostalgia out for people re-examining the other pre-MCU movies uh, specifically of Spider-Man and realizing you know, just because they don't have other superheroes in them doesn't mean they weren't good. Just because they were of a certain time, they're still amazing. And Super and Spider-Man 2 is amazing. It is Toby's best performance as Peter Parker. It is the best, uh, and we'll have to see what the MCU does with, with their Spider-Man coming up. Um, but the best of the single peter parker living in the city being really poor trying to do everything failing at everything and spider-man always getting in the way and him bemoaning whether or whether or not it's beneficial to his life to be spider-man and whether or not that should be a factor or not um it has one of the greatest comic book villain villain in general performances by any actor in a film uh alfred molina uh, who did such a great job with doc ock that they that one after this movie doc ock became the biggest villain of spider-man in the comics they started including him in way more stories he even took over spider-man's body for a period of time like he he became the guy it's because of alfred molina's performance um the other thing that um and and it's also the reason why they i'm i'm pretty sure why why they were like let's let's fuse all the other spider-man movies together for this last one because i'm sure they were like i want to do doc ock yeah who, who, who's another person we can cast we can't cast alfred molina Mm -hmm. but who do we think could do a, a great job 
Yeah, from what I'd heard, uh, that's kind of what... Let's get Alfred Molina. That is what I heard is the argument was, how do we get Alfred Molina's uh, Doc Ock in this movie? Yeah. And then I think that's what got the ball rolling with all the all the rest of them. And Absolutely. So, yeah. It's, I, it's, it's it, just strengthens, it just strengthens everything you just said. Was, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He altered the course of a movie. Yeah. And it's got so many great things. The one thing I will say, it has got probably the number two. The other one is in a movie that we'll talk about later. Best speech in a movie. So much so, just thinking about it sometimes makes me tear up a little. And it's from, and from all characters, it's from Aunt May. And she gives this speech to Peter. Peter stopped being Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man is missing. No one knows where he is. He's given up. He's living a good life. But there's part of him that feels like he needs to be Spider-Man again. And he comes around as Aunt May's moving out. And there's this neighbor kid, Henry, who is like, hey, you take this picture of Spider-Man. Why don't we see his picture in the paper anymore? It's like, I don't know. I guess he wants to do other things. Um, and Aunt May is like, you'll never guess who he wants to be. Spider-Man. He knows a hero when he sees one. Too few characters out there flying around like that, saving old girls like me. And Lord knows, kid like Henry need a hero. Courageous, self-sacrificing people setting examples for all of us. Everyone loves a hero. People line up for them, cheer them, scream their names. And years later, they'll tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who taught them to hold on a second longer. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble, and finally allows us to die with pride, even though sometimes we have to be steady and give up the thing we want the most, even our dreams. Spider-Man did that for Henry, and he wonders where he's gone. He needs him. That speech about a hero, so wonderfully delivered by the actress, who I'm forgetting her name. She... That I mean that that speech, it's everything. It's everything that Spider-Man is and everything a hero is. Um that's my number two, Spider-Man two. That no, sorry, number three. My number three is Spider-Man two. There we go. Yes, let's not let's not be confused here. And Spider-Man two, yes. And for for a while, Spider-Man two was one of my favorites too. Um, I would blame why it's not on my list, uh, I think on Spider-Man three. I think it just ruined. Yeah, that's hard. To, that's hard to argue against. Yeah, and I and I wanted to. I wanted to like Spider Man three. We all did. We all. We all did. We, we all, all did. did. I tried to. I watched it with a group of people. And going, what did we just see? That was a. That was okay, right? Um, we all uh, wanted it to be good so much. We we gave a chance on the idea of Topher Grace as Venom. Yeah, we saw we saw he was supposed to be Venom, and we were like, "It'll probably work out, right? Right, right, right." And no, it didn't. Yeah, and again, this is not Topher Grace's fault. No, because I'm sure he, I'm. I, I assume he's listening because you know, 
I'm, you know, I'm well, going to be in Hollywood soon. So I assume he's, you know, we all listen to each other. Um, he, it's not his fault that he was cast as Venom. He's a good actor. Um, but they didn't, they, uh, what is the old phrase? They did not set him up for success. If he was going to be Venom, they should have tailored the Venom role to him. Yeah. So that it could fit what he does. Yeah. They didn't do that. They just, they were pretty lazy and just did a dark, dark Spider-Man. Yeah. So, but, uh, May Parker is played by Rosemarie Harris. There we go. Yeah. And terrific actress. Terrific. Um, yeah. But yeah, Alpha Molina, amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's the only reason not on my list. I blame Spider-Man 3 for why it's not on my list. That makes sense. Great movie. Uh, great closing line. Go get him, Tiger. That's perfect. And it lingers on her face just a little. So you can see she's already starting to be like, Oh, I hope I made the right decision. On their wedding day. So great. That's, I mean, it sums up the, the superhero struggle in five seconds. Mm -hmm. One of the great endings. Absolutely. Of, uh, of superhero movies in general. Yeah. So good. Oh, so good. So yeah, great pick. I defy you to go back and listen to that Danny Elfman score for Spider-Man, either the first Spider-Man or the second Spider-Man, and not get pumped up. Ah, well, hey, you know amazing. You know me. I've already been pro Danny Elfman for a while on this podcast. Uh, so yeah, great stuff. Oh yeah, that's a great soundtrack. Oh yeah, which is another thing that I think you'll find in almost all the, with some exceptions, most of the movies on this list. Great music. Yes. Yeah. Great music. Oh, so good. So yeah, great pick. Great pick for number three. We already got my we already got my number three. So then we're on to number two. Number two. Would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? I feel like in order to restore balance to the force, you should go first with number two. I'll go first with number two. I feel like that's the proper order. This is gonna support you. Okay. My number two Some people can be bought, bartered, or uh, I forget how it goes, extorted with. Some people just want to watch the world burn. My number two, number two is The Dark Knight. Number two is not. Yes. It's not number one? No. I told uh, you in the first episode, you're you not going to guess what number one was. That it's it would surprise you, and I uh, know it. number two is Dark Knight. Oh, uh, and as soon as I say my number one, you will understand why. Um, uh, I think okay. Now that you've told me what, yeah, I'm not gonna. Okay, I think I know, but uh, <laughs> but, but only, oh. staying with number two. Great pick. I I can talk for hours about The Dark Knight. In fact, I think I have talked for hours about The Dark Knight. Um, I love it. So, the one thing I will say that is new that I have 
not talked about before. Everyone says, oh, this is just the Heath Ledger movie. It, you know, the move the movie doesn't really work when he's not on screen. It's just kind of you're kind of just waiting until he shows up. Heath Ledger's performance is so good and so effective because you feel the weight of all the actions he does on Christian Bale's Batman, on uh, on Alfred, on the you know Commissioner uh, Gordon, on the on the uh, everyone else on the cast, but Christian Bale makes that movie work because when he gets hit hard by the Joker, you feel it. When he just can't figure him out, when the Joker kills um rachel and scars dent that impact only means something if you care for those who have lost those things if if christian bale's batman was bruce wayne was just a joke because of the voice then the that, that those scenes wouldn't have meant anything they wouldn't have any impact and they do they have a big impact and you feel it you feel the weight of this movie which is why so, i get why some people don't rewatch it that much because it, it is a weighty movie um and it, it tries to do a lot and it succeeds on a lot of them um and you know the unsung hero of this movie I, I do wish he would have been saved for a third movie, but Harvey Dent, uh, I forget, Aaron Eckhart playing Harvey Dent, amazing, amazing job. I was always wondering how they would do Two-Face. He's such a great character. I think they did, the so far anyway, the best version of this character. Uh, sorry, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, <laughs> no, um, I'm sure Tommy Lee Jones has uh, forgotten that he <laughs> he cashed that check and moved on. He was like, "Do I have my check? Do I have to talk to Jim Carrey anymore?" Good. <laughs> <laughs> he hated Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, but the 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 arc of this movie it's so. One of the most impactful stories I ever read of Batman, one of my favorites to this day, is Batman the Long Halloween. And it's essentially the story of the early days of Batman working with Commissioner Gordon and uh, Harvey Dent as the DA and trying to take down the, cr the criminals of Gotham while trying to take down this person called the holiday killer who every holiday is killing a prime uh, criminal in Gotham. And they're trying to figure out who this is. Uh, and it turns out to be a bunch of people. Uh, but it ends up at the end of the story being a backdoor kind of uh, origin for Two-Face. Because the whole story starts with, I believe in Harvey Dent. And it ends with, I still believe in Harvey Dent. Uh, with Harvey Dent now being Two-Face and a criminal. Um, and that's essentially what this movie is. And watching it, I was like, holy crap, they did it. 
they did it. They did. And up until the most recent uh, Robert Pattinson one, this one really got the investigatory Batman, the Batman who's going to think about all the solutions and all the ways to get out of things. Um, They really showed that for the first time, more so than any other. They still don't quite do it as much as I think Batman fans want, but Batman fans are always going to be unhappy a little bit, just like Batman. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a crossover there. Yeah. Um, and I could go on and on, but I want to save some room for my number one. Um, anyway, so that's my number two, The Dark Knight. Uh, and also, by the way, for a while, it was every time it was my birthday that I would want to watch it every year on my birthday, at least part of it. If I couldn't yeah. get through the whole thing because I'm busy or whatever, the actual day of my birthday, I would watch Dark Knight in some fashion. Um, and I still do. So uh, anyway, so that's my number two. What is your number two? I can't believe it's your number two. Um, the only reason it's not on my list is because I knew it was going to be on your list. There's no, I wasn't sure about, I was like, oh, I yeah. do not need to type up a word about Dark Knight because mm-hmm. Kevin's going to have that on the list. I thought it was going to be your number one. Um, I was trying to think, I thought I knew what your number one is now, but I realized we were doing our rule about, I don't think you're going to do another Batman movie. No, so, we had two to a franchise and then team up movies. It, and then it, it, they, if the hero is in a team-up movie, the team-up movie can count. However, yeah. it's only two per franchise. Right. So, right. So, so I already had Batman Begins. Now that's Dark Knight. I am no more. My number one is not a Batman movie. I can't. And then I can't. Focus like, that, since I know it's not a Batman movie, I'll tell you what I thought it was. If it was going to be a Batman movie, then... I thought it was going to be the uh, Mask of the Phantasm. I I go back. I went back and forth with that and Batman Begins. Yeah, but, that was the next alternative I had because that's such man. That's good. Batman. But it, it, it's hard for me with Bat- Mask of the Phantasm. It's a great movie and I love it. Um, and it certainly means a lot more now that Kevin Conroy has passed on. Yeah. Um, but it kind of ties into that thing of, and I know it was released in theaters. Um, so technically it, it counts as like a movie movie, a proper movie and not like a TV movie. Yeah. But I always lump it in with the animated series and there are so many great animated series stuff that it's hard for me to say that's, not that it's trying to be the best of the animated series, but it's hard for me to say that that is just for the nature of it's a movie and all that. So yeah. It always gets kind of back and forth with me. Yeah, I yeah I agree. What it in it it does. I mean, by the virtue of it, its context and its timing, it it also ends up serving as maybe the best episode as well. Because yeah. yeah, or good. I do feel like in that the Joker gets a little shoehorned in at the end, but I do like that he's not the primary antagonist and that he just pops up at the end. Yeah, I still think it's a little weird that he pops up at the end, but I'm okay with it because it's not all about him which is yeah. nice yeah. um Knight, so good it i mean just the uh, it's the i'm going to talk about the one sequence everybody talks about the bank robbery 
that's just incredible filmmaking. Like that's that's the opening of your movie. Yep. It's just incredible. Just sequ- just watching that sequence alone is just thrilling every time. And how every you know every uh, bank robber goes. Uh, no, he told me to shoot you. Just, yeah. Oh, just the planning involved in that, and then the bus coming through. That's what I love, and I feel like people always get wrong about the Joker. The Joker, the one thing you know about the Joker is that he's a liar. So this whole thing about him being an anarchist or a, a, an agent of chaos, and that he doesn't have a plan, he has a plan. Everything he does could not work unless it was all meticulously planned out. Mm-hmm. He says that to get a point across to a man who is absolutely of laws because he just wants to screw around with them. That's the thing about the Joker in in this movie. Anyway, he's a liar. That's the one thing, you know, for certain because everything else he tells you about himself is a lie. And he tells a different version, tells a different version of his origin, tells a different version of his life, his life perspective and philosophy at the end of the day, he's just going to say what is the best for that other person to hear, or the worst, rather, for the yeah. other person. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everyone being like, yeah, he's just, that's what Joker is. And it's like, okay, one, he can be. But two, this Joker is not. He's kind of in that area. Yeah. But not completely. Everything he does is way too planned. And I love the fan theory of he's uh, an ex-veteran with massive PTSD, which is how he got the scars. And uh, that's how he, why when he talks about like, uh, you know, if I say I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, blow up, you know, you know, a military base or kill a, a, he he says specifically, uh, a bunch of soldiers will blow up. No one bats an eye. But I say I'm going to kill one little mare and everyone loses their minds. That whole thing Uh gives credence to like, he's really good with ammunitions. He's really good with blowing things up. He's really good with uh, working with explosives. And all he he uses so many different kinds of weapons. He uses a goddamn bazooka in that movie. Yep. And so that gives credence to like this guy has some kind of military weapons training because he's just handed weapons and he knows how to use them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, part of that is comic book logic. Um, yep. But I love the idea that that's his background, this particular Joker, because it makes total sense and I like it. Um. And like how he rigged himself to blow up in the the beginning scene with the mobsters. Um, Very much like how corpses in the war in Iraq, at least from what other movies have told us about the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, how bodies were rigged with explosives by the Taliban. Uh, So that kind of feeds into it too. Anyway, number two, what is your number two? Again, we could we could say more. I could say more, but for the sake of time. Uh number two. Uh it feels like I'm cheating, 
it feels like I'm talking about another Avengers movie, but it's not an Avengers movie, but it is my favorite Avengers movie. Compromise where you can, but where you can't, stand like a tree and don't move. My number two is Captain America Civil War. Can I give you a little thing about that speech? Please. That speech that I believe uh, Agent Carter gives at Peggy Carter's funeral yep. to Steve uh, that it's something Peggy said to her. Those lines are almost word for word taken from what the Captain America in the original comic book storyline of Civil War says. He says, yeah. yeah. So in this movie, yes, it's Peggy. In storyline, it's Peggy inspiring from beyond the grave, you know, Captain America. But, you know, metatextually, it's Captain America inspiring Captain America. I love that so much. I <laughs> yeah. love that. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember I watched it. I was like, that sounds really familiar. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And it was just one of those things that popped up online. People were like, things you may not have noticed about the movie. And I was like, oh, my God. And it just clicked. I went back and I looked at my copies that I had. And I was like, oh, my God, it is. It is the same speech. Yeah. Whole thing about, like, you know, plant yourself and say, like, no, you move. Like, that whole thing. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Anyway, continue. It's so, I mean, again, I'm going to say this again again. A good comic book movie is about more than just comic books. Mm -hmm. This movie, this comic book movie, is about doing the right thing when it's not popular. Yeah. Even if it costs you something, don't let go of your principles. And you could say that about either Team Cap or Team, Team Tony. Yeah. You know, it you know it depends on how you look at it, but they're both operating under that kind of philosophy yeah yeah i love that. that's what i love about no, that's what i love about this movie is that this movie is a big debate on what is a hero yeah and what you know what its responsibility is a key word that we brought up again and again um i love that this movie is an internal fight similar to black panther some of the best movies we've talked about is an internal fight yeah, which is how you end up with fascinating protagonists. Uh, That's why this <clears throat> MCU uh, movie doesn't have a villain problem, because it's all them fighting each other, and they all believe that they are right. Yeah, and and you understand they do such a good job of understanding why Iron Man becomes the guy of 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 rules, and uh, we've got to settle down. Yeah, uh, with his past trauma and seeing, you know, the loss of a family member, and it, it just doubles down on that because it doubles down on his loss. Yeah, his parents at the end of the movie, and it's like it, it's just so <laughs> thought out, so well written. Yeah. This isn't just a this isn't just a comic book. This is a thoughtful movie, and this and, and has and conversely. Don't mean to interrupt, but um, Captain America, he, you can see exactly why he decides to do what he does. And it's not just the, I hate people's being like, oh, he betrays Tony just because of his old war buddy. 
That's not why. No. That's not why he won't do the accords. That's why he goes after him. But his main thing is, in the first movie, he believed in the government. The government made him who he is because he wanted to fight the bad guys. And he gave his life for that government, for that country Mm -hmm. that he believed in more than anything else. He gave up. He gave up his life. Then he wakes up in the future, fights a few aliens, and then realizes not only is the future different, but the country is not the country I fought for. Country is not the country I died for. Yes. The country has been taken over from the inside by the people I was trying to fight originally. And you can't tell the difference. Unlike in the 50s, or in the 40s, you know, you can't tell because, like, oh, these people have a German accent. This one, nope. Yeah. They all wear the same flag. They all wear the American flag. They all, you know, go to the same Congress. They all vote. Uh-huh. They all live in the same country. They're all here. They all blend in. And you can't tell. And his feeling of betrayal, his feel of what did I give my life for? What did the people I fought for, fought with, who died with me, what was their sacrifice for this authoritarianism that seems to be taking hold? And the idea of another bureaucratic society coming together of not just America, but like the world to tell them when and when they can't operate, when and when they can't do what only they are able to do and he even says it like it's not perfect but the safest hands are our own yes that is the line i was i was searching for but you're that is the line i was i was trying to remember the safest hands are our own i liked the that's why i'm team cap the whole way oh it's it's clear it's clear from from the very beginning that cap is right and tony is wrong yeah i mean beyond that it's not about being right or wrong but cap is right (laughs) Right. most of the time wrong except tony he's totally wrong and most of the time <laughs> and most of the time avengers endgame aside most of the time iron man is wrong because he's creating the things they have to fight most often yes <laughs> it's just it's an endless line of like villains who became super powered villains yeah. because they stole tony stark stuff right but that's also what it's it's part of what makes Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man interesting. Oh yeah, totally. Is the conflict within him and the good things he's trying to do. He's trying to be responsible. There is a that key word again. Uh that there is some some incredible parallels that continue with the Iron Man character and Robert Downey Jr. of a man trying to turn his life around and doing a better job with the second chance he's been given. Yes. And that he hasn't for a moment forgotten where he's come from. Yeah. And his his decisions are shadowed in that. Uh, This might be RDJ at his best as Iron Man. It might be. I pretty sure this is chris evans as his at his best as captain america i think this is the one that showcases him at the best 
This movie, yeah, is about heroes debating what it should, what it means to be a hero. And in the end, we get Captain America versus Iron Man versus Bucky. An amazing conclusion. Amazing uh, fight. Just, um, I mean, started by some great, I mean, Robert Downey Jr., he does most of his acting as Iron Man. Uh, I mean, it, in the conclusion here, you know, in any conclusion of these Iron uh, Marvel movies, it's just the face. That's all he's got because he's in the suit. And he gives us so much. When he said, I can't remember the line exactly, but was it, yeah, but he killed my dad. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's He just, he's standing very still and it's all in the eyes and ah, uh, it's just gut-wrenching. You can tell he feels it. You can tell he means it. It's like, yeah, but he killed my dad. And that the fight is brutal as it should be. The big battle isn't when the the huge groups face off. That's big and that's fun. What's not fun, what's brutal, what hurts is this final one with the three guys just going at it. Yeah. And it is just, it's it's just brutal. And they're really hammering him home. And then his whole like analyze their fighting patterns. Yeah. And then he's able to like strike back and it's like, oh damn, I didn't see that happening. Yes, it was great. It's uh it's like, oh, this is what happens in Batman's mind. Yeah. Um <laughs> just saying, Batman's great. Uh it was that was great. And then and you've brought this up before. Uh, on the podcast but that moment where he says what was it you was it that's not your shield yeah my dad my, my father. father made that shield <sighs> and then he drops it because oh. he's like you're right yep. like this shield represents captain america yeah. and right now i can't be captain america i'm just gonna be steve and it would be great if the movie just ended right there but then they give us the bookend of it all coming back around Mm-hmm. And Iron Man's not taking the general's call, and hope, and Cap coming and rescuing the rescuing everybody else who's been kidnapped, uh, arrested in their little you know what is it floating island prison thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that's such a great ending. Um, I'd be I'd also make a mistake if I didn't bring up the fact of some great introductions in this movie. You get Spider-Man, which is pretty fun, really smart. But the intro of Black Panther. Oh. That's how you introduce a character. I mean, oh, what a way to kick him off. Yeah. You, he's not just there. He has a direct motive. He knows exactly why he's there. He know, He's avenging his father, and he's he's off to the races. He's not a side character. Yeah. He's he's right in it, and he's the guy that gets the bad guy of the movie. Yep. Uh, that we haven't even talked about Zemo. No, because that's, I mean, you need a bad guy in the movie, but that's not the heart of the movie. And he does a good job. There's nothing. He's his a good actor, thing, good story, his speech but, about his family, yeah, and the voice the voicemail he listens to over and over again, which is the yeah. saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and T'Challa just just chatting with Boseman's acting, just reacting to this. And when he realizes like vengeance is like 
when he sees what vengeance has done to this man. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's like, uh, I will, I will not let it do that to me. Like that's when you're like, give me this character's movie right now. I want to see it. That's again, again, what a good comic book movie does show you. And it, it adds to the debate. We have, we have this debate of what is a hero. It also gives us the answer. This is a hero. Yes. Yeah. So that's my number two. It was nearly my number one. Um, it's so good. It's one when I think of Captain America, when I think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that is the movie I think of. Yeah. So Very good. So uh, my on to number one, we'll start with mine. The one that beat out the Dark Knight. Luckily, there's an intro that's from the movie uh, that actually sums up quite well um, everything. All right, let's do this one last time. My name is Peter Parker. I was bitten by a radioactive spider, and for 10 years, I've been the one and only Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. Saved a bunch of people, fell in love, saved the city, and then I saved the city again, and again, and again, and I did this. We don't really talk about this. <laughs> Comic book. I'm serial. I did a Christmas album. I have an excellent theme song and a so-so popsicle. I mean, I've looked worse. But after everything, I still love being Spider-Man. I mean, who wouldn't? So no matter how many hits I take, I always find a way to come back because the only thing standing between this city and oblivion is me. There's only one Spider-Man and you're looking at him. My number one greatest comic book movie of all time. And my favorite, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This movie is a work of art in every sense of the word. I mean, it's an animated movie. They invented a new way of doing animation just for this movie. And it's beautiful. It looks like a comic book. It feels like a, a comic book that's alive. Um, the acting is top notch in this movie. Um, they, they take an esoteric idea of parallel dimensions and alternate versions of a hero. Uh, something that's in the comic book world we're all very familiar with. But in, in the regular world, like they managed to communicate that very complex idea before anyone else in mainstream movies really had a chance to do it. Um, and they did it really easily, really well. All the different Spider-Men... Um, Great casting for all the different Spider-Men. I love casting Chris uh, Pine as the Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man, who dies, because that's perfect, because this that Spider-Man looked like he was the best Spider-Man ever, uh, which is why it's impactful when he dies. And to me, that's the voice you want for that kind of Spider-Man. And then casting Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker, uh, who is very obviously supposed to be a grown-up version of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I mean, there's there's no way that's not 
Yeah. You know. Um, and his, and then, voice, his voice is so good. Yeah, the voice acting for Miles, uh, um, Gwen Stacy, uh, getting Spider Gwen in there. Um, all the different Spider the the Asian anime Spider Man, the uh, Nicholas Cage as the noir Spider Man. I forget he was in this. Um, and the great John Mulaney as Peter Porker, Spider-Ham, the Looney Tunes like, <laughs> I I knew that was a character that existed in like some like one-off comics that Marvel made for kids. I had no idea they were going to put this in this movie, put them in this movie. And when they did when I saw that they did, I was like this is never going to work. And they somehow make this very serious at times tear-jerking movie work with a looney tunes type of character in it like it's incredible and the the speech that miles after he finds out his uncle is uh you know one of the bad guys the uncle he's looked up to and idolized and he dies right in front of him and when he can't go after the kingpin with the other spider-man because he's too inexperienced and he's tied up and his dad comes to talk to him and he won't answer the door. So his dad just talks through the door. That scene where his dad is basically like, listen, I know we're not talking right now with everything that happened. He basically just says, whoever you are, whatever version of yourself you are going to present to the world, I have your back as your father. I have your back. And I can't wait to see who you are, Miles. And that gets him to realize he needs to stop trying to be all these other Spider-Men. He needs to just be Miles. And they have the greatest shot in cinema where he's falling down to the ground, but upside down. And so it looks like he's falling upwards. Like, I I have no idea how they did that. But it's amazing to watch every single time. The soundtrack in this movie is amazing. Um, I had no idea what Post Malone sounded like until I heard that movie. Uh, but that song that keeps playing over and over in the movie, that's Post Malone, apparently. So the guy with the weird tattoos, uh, that's the only song of his I like, or no. Um, and it's because of this movie. Uh, this movie gets everything about what makes Peter Parker, what makes Spider-Man interesting. And it hits home how to effectively do what is very popular in comic books right now, legacy characters where, you know, because of optics, you know, the company wants to have a more diverse line of superheroes. So instead of creating more, they just create minority versions of the heroes they already have thinking that, you know, because it worked for this one, it'll work for that one. It, has worked to some extent but i feel like it works best in this context legacy characters of all kind whether it's the flash or spider-man or whatever they work when you realize you're not telling a story of someone who's inheriting a, a a hero mantle you're telling the story of the fans this is their stand-in 
this is the character we identify with. We can't identify with Spider-Man. We don't know what it's like to have all that great power. I mean, we can because of Spider-Man. But like, we can identify with the person who's trying to be like Spider-Man and failing. That's who we identify with. And that's who that character should be. He should be us trying to be Superman. We can't be Superman, but we can be the kid who's trying to be like him. And that is what makes legacy characters special, whether it's Robin or Kid Flash or Miles Morales. That's what makes them special. They're amazing. And this movie, from top to bottom, from the acting to the animation to the the impactful, like emotional beats in this movie that are so they just hit you everywhere. It, it's it's amazing it's beautiful i watch it and i just feel like i'm grateful i was alive to see this you know and i know that sounds weird saying about a, an animated movie that's a spider-man movie but it's not if you've seen it and um you know i, I this for me the year this came out this is the best movie of the year um this is the best movie that the best superhero movie I've seen in a long time. And I realized recently, yeah, I kind of, I put this above the dark Knight in every category. I love dark. And you know how much I love dark Knight, And I love Batman as a hero more than I love Spider-Man, but this movie, Oh my God, it hits everywhere. And that's why it's my number one. It is a great one. Um, it's not on my list because, again, that was the one I was confident was going to be on your list. I didn't think it was going to be this high. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but I knew you were going to be uh, more relevant uh, with your choices than I was. Uh, this was a great pick. It's so good. It's just great storytelling. It hooks you in. It There's never a dull moment. Uh, they, they hit everything right. They invent so many different versions of... Uh, yeah. animation and, and the the voice acting is incredible they got Mahershala Ali for this movie that was great multi-Oscar winner I mean as Uncle Aaron you, you can't get any better than that um, it's just incredible I mean yeah. just great and just also great Spider-Man movie where it has all the, all the elements of loss and that's the thing about these characters which i will always say like you know martin scorsese and all of them they can have their opinion because they're like incredible artists the thing they miss is the thing about these movies it's the characters it's the story it's the depth that they have that's why all that's why they can attract a mahershala ali you know to do uncle Aaron because like this isn't just a frivolous entertainment thing this isn't just a popcorn flick it has real stuff there that you can play with and you can really get into that goes beyond just the the flashbang you know spectacle of it all yeah yeah there's really a, there's a yeah I, the and especially I think with the spider-man what when you're doing it right what doesn't get lost is your hero's humanity yes and spider-man is a has a lot of powers but also has always been among the more I don't, vulnerable yeah it's yeah. frequently pitch 
pictured as somebody, you know, with half his mask torn, just in grief. And it's always very clear that that suit is just a suit. It's not armor of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's not invulnerable like Superman. Yeah. Take a hit, but not that many. <laughs> yeah. He's a hero we can identify with. And, and he, you know, it's a character you, you don't know if he's going to win, but you sure hope he does. And he's a hero that loses almost as much as he wins. Yeah. Because Which you can't you can't say that much about other heroes, you know. Yeah. Batman's yeah. Bat God. He'll lose like once and it'll be like a big deal. Yeah. But like Spider Man, he loses a lot. Yeah, that's usually how they start a story off. Yeah. Um and even when he gets the bad guy, I mean he ends up losing things personally. Yeah. They do such a good job when they do it right of the tightrope between hero and their day life yeah um really well and that's yeah yeah and yeah into the spider-verse captures all that yeah great pick um so my, yeah number one my number one is not going to surprise anybody uh anybody who knows me my wife who i didn't even tell my list was like i know what your number one's gonna be and she's and she was exactly right you, I'm pretty sure you know what my number one is going to be. It is the, I mean, the hero that we talked about that I don't think we've listed any of his movies yet. Uh, yes, we have. Oh, have. okay. Um, my number 10. Number, okay. No, that's right. Your number 10. We had him on there. You know, you know. Yeah. And you know which one I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. If I'm going to pick one, and because and, that was going to be this one. If it's this high, it has to be. It's going to be the motion picture from 1978. The film that made us believe a man who could fly. Superman. Richard Donner. Superman. Marlon Brando. Christopher Reeve. Yeah. This is not simply a movie. This explodes with music and space, flight. This is this is from the author of The Godfather, for crying out loud. That's right. Mario Puzo did the screenplay. I forgot about that. He, wrote, he also, yeah, the guy who wrote The Godfather. Marlon Brando, The Godfather, as Jarrell. And Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. The greatest criminal mind of our time. Whose plots are always about getting more land. It and and he owns it. Gene Hackman. Oh yeah. Owns every moment. This is Mount Rushmore level actors, along with the only person who could play Superman. Some would argue the only person who can ever play Superman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you talk about greatness. Dave, Dave Chappelle said it. He said greatness is everything. And he said this talking about uh, Richard Pryor. And I think it applies to everything you consider great. Greatness is everything before you is prologue. And everything after you bears your mark. And yeah. that's true for, for this. 
right? I mean, it's for all superheroes, really. I mean, this is the first one. Yeah, there was. I mean, there were Superman before Christopher Reeve, but he wasn't dealing with the shadow. He was dealing with uh, like being compared to like the image of the comic book, really. Yeah, at best. But after him, everybody's compared to him. Brandon Ralph basically tried to imitate him. Yep. That movie, and it was that good. It's a love letter to the Christopher Reeve Superman. Right. Right. So that's how good. And Man of Steel is a whole like, we can never do that again yes. as good as it was done. So let's do as opposite as we can. Right. Right. That one was really bright and colorful. This one would be very dimly lit and muted colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah because they knew yeah they get your your point is exactly right because they knew they couldn't top in that direction yeah. so you, the only other option you have is to go the other direction yeah that's all you can do this is how great his influence is i mean we start as we will end with a world crumbling mm-hmm. krypton ignores the warnings and they die looking upward for rescue that will never come the fate of Earth is preserved by the last son of Krypton. We go from the cata- from cataclysm to hope. A couple who thought they'd never be parents. A boy becomes a man and finds his purpose. This movie opens the door for all other movies we've talked about. Yep. This movie shows superheroes can fit into a genre film and be taken seriously. It never occurred to me, also as I was re-watching it, his fortress is a replica of Krypton architecture on Earth. This is a guy searching for home. This is a bo- This is a child sent off, being orphaned, looking for home. I also noticed, as we get to the conclusion, when he does his big epic reversing of time, he has this... Uh, you know, conflict of, you know, he's hearing the voice of Jarrell telling him not to do this. But he also has this thought that never hit me until I watched it for like the one millionth time I watched it today. All those powers, and I couldn't save him. Mm. Yeah. The pronoun throws you off there. He didn't say her. He said him. Yeah. He's thinking about all the people he's lost and how he couldn't he couldn't save them. He couldn't save his father. He wasn't in the position to do that. But, he, uh, couldn't, yeah. he, he couldn't save Pa Kent, whose voice we also hear when he's in the clouds of son, you're here for a purpose. He can fly, he can he's bulletproof, he can he can damn near turn the world on its head. Mm-hmm. He can't stop his father from dying. Yeah, his father still has a heart attack. He loses. There's nothing he can do about that. Can't do that. Yeah, but you know what he can do? <clears throat> Reverse time. He can save. <laughs> he can save Lois. He can save Lois. Yeah, and he and he does it just enough to turn things around. He <laughs> makes a slight adjustment, saving Jimmy in a different way, and he's able to he's able to rescue Lois in time. And he's not only done that, he's finally home. 
Jimmy Olsen sees Superman loves you. Come on. Superman has finally found his home. And it is just, it's a beautiful movie. I mean, just visually, it's stunning. It it has such a good uh, balance of the story of Superman and the grandeur of him. And then you get to balance it out with the comedy and the scheming of Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. It's so good. Him, his comedy team where him and uh, Otis where they just play off each other so well. I, I have to do my research to see if Gene Hackman has acted with him before because their dynamic is so good. Mm-hmm. They're just, I mean, their comic timing is so good. When he's up on the ladder and he's like, oh, you want M? And then he moves the ladder and and he's hanging on going, no, I said N for Nimrod, not M for moron. <laughs> and also, no, or L for ladder. <laughs> oh, just. It's not my preferred version of Lex Luthor. But the one thing I love about it, because of the time and the place and the type of actor Gene Hackman, like where he was, I appreciate, I believe this Lex Luthor. Yeah. Not a cup of tea, just flavor, flavor wise, but I believe everything he's saying. And I feel like he's taking the thing seriously. Gene Hackman, the actor, which I appreciate. Yeah. As a professional, like, because there, I mean, there are obvious crimes in there when you're watching Jor-El, when you're watching, it's like, boy, Marlon, you're just, you're just getting a paycheck, aren't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, I, I just, uh, I, Brando I mean, has. He's not terrible. He's not terrible. He's definitely, I mean, he's definitely cashed in on movies. I mean, if I had. I can't remember the name of it. Was it called The Score? Was the movie that he argued that he shouldn't have to wear pants? Uh, yeah. That, and he's just in there mumbling with De Niro. That, yeah, I think he cashed in. This one, this one, I, I after many viewings, I don't, I don't think he is. Uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he's cashing in. There are some real, I think there's some. He didn't memorize his lines, apparently. Yeah, there's. There's proof right there. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see. He's just so card. good. It doesn't matter. I didn't. I didn't see a cue card in sight, so it looked good to me. Uh, he, he's he he delivers um, he delivers the type of drill that you want as a as a messenger of warning, and he also yeah. he also pulls off the I don't know district you know the the uh, neutral district attorney type figure yeah i mean brando he has a presence he's undeniable i i do have to say though i do love in batman in superman returns that they brought that back his voice like when they did the first trailers for it and they had his voice underneath i was like yes yeah that's like that's yeah this movie's gonna be amazing i I, is this movie over yet I tell you, yeah, that, and that's the thing. Again, that just like we talked about, that just goes to show you, you the can't recreate the original. Yeah, original that just, too good. 
that it goes oh. to show you, yeah, of how good the original was, how much they wanted to. I like, okay, what's the best version of Superman we can do? It's already been done. Let's. What can we? What can we do to replicate it? And yeah, Brando's voice. It's just. And you know, you haven't talked about the. I mean, the thing that holds this whole thing together. One. I'll get to the main one, but the other thing that holds us all together, the amazing, ever stupendous John Williams score. It's, is, the, it's the first thing that hits you. I mean, it, I love it because you feel like you're hearing the words, Superman, da, 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 you know, and you're like, oh, wait, no, I'm not hearing that. That's just the way the music's going. And his love theme for Superman and Lois when they're flying. Yes. Um, yes. I love that so much. When my when Molly, when my daughter was like a month old and I would rock her to sleep, that's one of the things I would play to like calm her down. Oh, that's beautiful. I put it on a loop. Oh. And I would I would kind of rock her, but like like kind of do this, like hold her in my arms and kind of sway her a little bit. Do the flow of the music as if she was flying on air. Oh, Calmed her down, and I was able to put her to sleep. And I love that music so much. But the other thing that holds this move together, Chris—I mean, we've already touched on him a little bit—but Christopher Reeve, the only man to ever say the line in a modern context: "I'm here to fight for truth, justice, and the American way." And in the middle of the seven, at the end of the seventies, yeah. one of the most cynical times in America. This is after Watergate. Yeah, this is uh, after Vietnam. Yeah, to have a character on screen say that with a straight face, and for you to go like, "Okay, I believe him." Yeah, Absolutely. no other actor can do that. He says oh. that, and you completely believe him, and it doesn't come across as hokey or over the top or idealistic you just believe it it is what it's supposed to be and that's why i love it and they have retired that phrasing uh which i agree with because it ends up meaning something different it means something different in different contexts but if you can choose watch that yeah I mean, you watch it even now though even with that context it gets you, you it you're taken out of that context and just brought into the world of the movie it's amazing it's great because when it's said from Christopher Reeve's Superman, you know the America he's talking about. Oh yeah, totally. which is not which is not really an America we've ever been, but the idea of America. Well, this the movie idea. is all about ideals. Yeah, the ideal of, of America. Uh, he's Christopher Reeve is so good in this. He it's not only what he says, but also just just the little moments that are nonverbal. Yeah, just everything. When he after he flies with Lois and then comes back around as Clark, uh, because you know, oh, his Clark he, stuff is amazing. Clark stuff is so good. He does so. I his mean, physical comedy is so good. So good, but his different facial expressions and when he's about to tell her he's Superman and then looks down at his glasses and decides not to, and then go. He uses the Superman voice and then goes back to Clark. Yeah, and you see who he is, who he really is. Yeah, you see him straighten himself out, look at his, you know, look at his glasses, and then oh, no, 
you know what? I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. He completely goes back, he goes back into the camera. He can fool everyone with just glasses. Well, it's not, first of and all. That it's not just glasses. Yeah, you're no. right. It's not just glasses. Going to the, the higher mannerism. Yeah, no. If you want the criticism of every, really every actor after Christopher Reeve, I would say is they're relying on glasses. Uh, Christopher Reeve transforms the way he talks, the way he carries his body. Yeah. He is selling it because he has to. That's Juilliard company. Acting as somebody who's supposed to be acting as somebody different, as you should, not just, you know, I'm handsome man with glasses. He's yeah. he's putting on the show that he has to do in order to survive, like you would do in that situation. You would do the best acting of your life. Yeah. Uh and he and he's so good. And it's um and seeing that versatility does go to it's a crime he got typecast. It really it's a crime he didn't. I mean, just check out Death Trap for crying out loud mm. to show the man had range. So yeah. right. he, he, went to, he went to Juilliard. Yes, this is a this is a like, actor. In like one of the first class in like this, I think the second class. Juilliard's second class. It was like the dude had chops and yeah, he acted on stage. He's done it. Um, he was so good. Uh, but, I mean, he became a real life Superman. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's hard for me to talk about Christopher Reeve in any context and not think about the man. Similar how we talked about Chadwick Boseman earlier. Yes. Yeah. When, when someone in real life has done something amazing, that's more important than their life of, you know, playing pretend on camera. Yeah. Um, but it's particularly because he played Superman for so many years and he was everyone's Superman. Mm -hmm. And then he's hit with this huge accident and he becomes an actual Superman for people. You know, he's yeah. sitting there in a chair in the most, what many people would look at and say is the most tragic thing ever, but you look at him and he would just exude this strength you know, and this hope, the kind of hope that he played for a character and did very well, now he's doing for real. And, you know, I think about that every time I watch this movie a lot. I, and the other thing I love about this movie is, for me, it's the opposite of what the Batman movies are. The Batman movies and Batman stories in general, they're what they're the world outside our window. And Superman is the world we want to see outside our window. Yes. It's the world that we are working to have outside there. Uh -huh. Batman is the world that we actually have, uh, you know, with killer clowns and all that too. But, yeah. but don't go to the woods. Yeah. We, we, we all, we live in Gotham city. But we all just we want to make our Gotham City metropolis so bad. Yeah, and that's what this movie is. It's all about ideals, and it does them so well. Um, and you know, um, great number one. Yeah, um, and, and I, this is going to be your number one because come on, I you mean, know, I know. 
if, if especially if I didn't have any other Superman on my entire list, which I don't know if that's I mean, that was the key. I didn't hear any <laughs> Superman movies. I was like, if you haven't given me any Superman movies, Sam. Superman movie. Are you gonna put Justice League? Justice League number one. No. Super Super number one is Suicide yeah. Squad. Um but if uh, if we're going to talk about characters, uh, actors who owned a character and I think leave a legacy, uh, I'd be making a mistake if I didn't talk about Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Oh, yeah. How, it's the other person that you're in the shadow of when you're playing Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. she's so good acting is when it's effortless and it appears effortless oh yeah and margot kidder i don't it's i if, if you you mentally associate christopher reeve just is superman for me margot kidder's like that's who she is right yeah oh yeah totally it's gotta yeah. be who she is and she's everything you'd want lois to be yeah it's just great. I mean, her her uh, talk about good comic timing, uh, oh. but everything the character is supposed to be, she's supposed to be the best reporter at the Daily Planet. She's she's very she's funny. She's ambitious. She's oh, she's just so good, and she's smart, and she is the one that figures out that Clark is Superman. Yeah, yeah. She's just so, and her and Christopher Reeve together are such a good team. They really um, are. Their chemistries something it's the the same thing i talked about with uh, mcavoy and fassbender like the mm-hmm. heart of those movies is them two together the heart of the superman movies is reeve and margot kidder together yeah that's why uh and i think i'm trying to remember i think i don't think she's in superman 3 and i think that's one of the reasons why super why i don't like superman 3 is gene hackman is not in superman 3 i don't think margot kidder's in superman 3 everyone bags on superman 4 superman 3 i mean it's got richard Pryor, but if you don't have especially if you don't have margaret kidder i mean come on if she's if she's in three i don't think i don't remember her being in it very much the only thing i remember superman 3 4 is richard Pryor and the joke from office space when they're talking when the character of michael bolton is talking about like yeah i have the software that can uh where uh you know has all these random integers of uh of sense that we just round up uh we just get rid of well i took that and thousands of times a day round that up and just put it into a bank account over yeah. time it's going to be a lot of money and they're like haven't i heard this before yeah it's the plot of superman 3 <laughs> that's right that's right yes that movie just i'm sorry just never should have been made everyone bags on four i'll if I had to wipe one of those two out of existence, I would I would choose to wipe three out of existence. It's a well, four is so devastatingly bad. It's kind of funny to watch. Four is bad because it also suffers from so much. Uh, their budget just got cut every single movie. To like where even they were, the plot is, they're like, we're not trying on this. They weren't. They weren't even filming in the same lot they were supposed to film in. They weren't, but. The saving the saving grace of four is you get Margot Kidder back, you get Gene Hackman back. And is four uh, the one remind me again? Is four or is it four or three where 
there's the evil Superman. Three is evil Superman. That's Three. probably yeah which again also so like he's at a diner and he's yeah, like where he gets like he gets drunk and then fights himself yeah that yeah well that's yeah well, metaphor for hollywood if i've ever seen one yeah it's a, yeah it's like oh oh and uh in the uh in, in this movie uh superman will be played by john barrymore uh <laughs> but uh i know this stuff i'm gonna live in hollywood um it's yeah three is just a mess whereas four for all of its faults and it has many faults at least it know it has a point to it you know the quest for peace it has a at least it has some sort of message it's trying to uh communicate at a time when you know it would be needed yeah uh so and it was uh you know it was a, a big you know christopher reeve at first didn't want to do the movie but if it, when it was something that he wanted to you know yeah. He had that, um, you know, uh, missile, uh, you know, getting rid of all the nuclear yeah. missiles. Yeah, that was that's the one with the nuclear man guy. Yep, that he fights. Yep, fights that's him. I mean, I can watch that and be like, it's a trauma movie. <laughs> like the, that string of like really bad like trauma movies that a lot of people like for some reason i mean every, everybody liked all the even superman in a trauma movie that's all it is he's literally fighting nuclear power yeah. um it's is hey it's no different than all of those uh noir movies that were warning us about nuclear power pretty much 20 years later uh but but I, it also brings me back to why i like superman one it's not about superman punching anybody yeah He's rescuing people most of the time, or he's stopping a bank robber, or he's rescuing the Air Force One. He's yeah. saving people. Uh, that's that's what a hero should be. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so that's my number one. Well, there you have it, folks. Our very long two-part episode on our top ten superhero movies list. And uh, you'd be disappointed if it wasn't long-winded. Come on, folks. If if any anyone. Anyone who's listening to this knows us at all. Come on. Yeah. You knew this was going to be Joe Rogan length. <laughs> and never once did we tell you to, you know, go on a, on a, uh, the keto diet or the goddamn, like, uh, what is it? Uh, caveman diet, whatever those things are. <laughs> oh yeah. You don't need to get, you don't need to get vaccinated. Just, you know, just run, drink water. Take mushrooms, go in a sensory deprivation tank. Fine. Also, the rock is on steroids. Um, anyway, now for this uh, this uh, this random slamming of a celebrity is brought to you by by uh, by Surfshark VPN. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right, folks. We'll be back next month. We'll try to anyway, um, unless we're busy um anyway but uh we'll be back with another list until then keep watching movies stay safe enjoy yourself